Whenever I get on the phone with my friend Kevin Jeanette, one of the world's great Porsche mechanics, engineers, engine builders, designers, just in the racing world, Kevin is royalty. His son, Gunner, also rather well known as a very successful sports car driver. Whenever I get on the phone with Kevin, we're going to try and record something. We have an idea of the specific topic we start out on that topic and inevitably like this conversation you're about to hear oh it goes places (laughs) i never expect so what was the original intent of this podcast well 30 year anniversary i'm doing two 30 year anniversary podcasts this year ahead of the rolex 24 daytona 30 years ago at the 1991 sunbank 24 daytona kevin introduced the porsche 966 prototype to the world not a porsche 962 of which he has owned countless numbers been the crew chief on one all kinds of everything not a porsche 917 all things in his arsenal in the past this is a kevin Jeanette production and knowing that this car which was vaguely blessed by the factory but a independent production, a take on the Porsche 962. I just figured, hey, we need to talk about this and celebrate it because at this 1991 Daytona 24-hour event, Kevin did some really cool stuff with this car. Three drivers, Jay Cochran, Derek Bell, and his son, Justin. He did a really unique thing, and I'll let him tell you about that. If you know about it, then maybe the backstory here and some of the other tales you'll really enjoy. If you know nothing about it, This was a pretty cool and amazing thing that he did, all in the name of charity. This is right around the Gulf War, and patriotism was very high, so it certainly fit. This is just a cool little semi-chapter in Porsche prototype history done here in America. And as we get to in the parts that meander in Europe, and all of a sudden he is giving interviews to police detectives at scotland yard and it's related to this porsche 966 ah kevin i love 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 him and i hope you enjoy this truly it was just meant to be 91 daytona true kevin we go all over the place and i hope you enjoy the conversation here brought to you by cooper tires the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com tell us how this project came together what was the uh the donor hot rod for this 966. Oh, okay. Thanks for the lead-in. That was awesome. Um, the 966 actually comes from, just so you know, Jurgen Barth, the Porsche factory motorsport director, just happened to be in my shop in Florida, and we were building the car. He said, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, we call it a 966 if that's okay. He goes, what do you mean it's okay? He says, we don't have a 966. Call it what you want. <laughs> And he goes, why 966? And I said, nine, because everything starts with a nine. (laughs) Six, the first one from a 936. And the second six from a 962. He goes, yeah, it works for me. So that's how the 966 came up. And it was in my head before. And I was a Busby crew chief on the Miller team in 89. And at the second race, I bought all his Porsche stuff. So, so Jim probably won't tell many people. I actually owned the car after Daytona, which that car won. And uh, I was the crew chief of it for uh, Wallach and Andretti. And uh, I actually owned the car. And all the teammates would always say, 
hey, man, why are you letting him make the decisions? It's your car. And I said, because I need to get all the stuff. I got to play it, you know, politically correct, because I'm going to build a car from all the stuff I got. They go, really? And I said, yeah, you know that new Chapman honeycomb aluminum tub that he's got? Yeah. I says, well, I'm going to take the roll bar off that thing and make it into a spider. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, okay. Well, guess what? I did. So that's how it came about. It was a super, super stiff chassis because it was a formed honeycomb. So unlike a typical 962 that was a skin monocoque, you know, glued and riveted, this dude built by Jim Chapman, and you can chase him down to find out all the cool stuff he did. It's, you know, just, just the best car to do that with. So that's why I chose it. I knew I could build the car myself from my vision of what I wanted to look like because I'm the sculptor and the composite guy too. And it just all fit together. And I just jumped in and made a big foam buck on it and started making it a spider, making it kind of look like a Porsche because that's what we do here. And uh, the rest was history Okay, fine, until I called Derek Bell up and said, hey, you want to drive a really cool car, Daytona? Uh, Okay. (laughs) I was his crew chief before, so he trusted me. And I said, look, you know, this is what we do. And uh, we we did that. And, you know, not having any money left from building the car, um, I had to come up with something innovative for a sponsor and BF Goodrich because they were our tire on the – Miller team, the Busby's 962 team of 89, I knew everybody, and they said, we'll help you out. So they came in with all the tires for free, and uh, probably all the uh, Pepsi I could drink or something, you know, to keep us awake at night. Um, And there we went. We started a race with Jay Cochran as as the American in the car. 30 years ago. Thanks for reminding me. We actually have the car back. We sold the car. It's been sold a couple different times. And the owner of the car is a customer of mine. And he said, Hey man, go through the car. So had it been available uh, and finished by this year's 24 hour of Daytona without COVID, they would have had the heritage, uh, gig before, which is what we refer to as the 24 minutes. And we would have put that car back in the BF Goodrich. We love our armed forces because if you don't remember, the Iraqi war was going on at the time. Yeah. And that became what you referred to as the charity thing. So So that's kind of how that goes. This lineup of, of Jay, Derek, and Justin Bell, certainly a fun one. What do you recall... Kevin, from trying to develop the car, as you mentioned, on an absent budget and not all the time in the world that you wanted, I do recall in terms of qualifying uh, only about 15 seconds off the uh, the class pole. So, you know, I mean, there there's a little bit of work to be done there. But kidding aside, <laughs> what do you recall from trying to uh, develop the car as best you could within your means in a year where by chance in 91, the overall victory went to a nine, six, two run by Yost. So, uh, the old girls were certainly still capable back then. 
if I was 15 seconds off, thank God I don't remember that. Um, but I, I'm always uh, being born and raised in Southern California, half full rather than half empty. And knowing that these guys would trust us enough to at least have built a car that would go the distance. And I fortunately have won the 24 hours of Daytona a couple of times with cars that we've prepared. So I know how to win there. Um, so it was a question of, you know, uh, trust me, if not anything, we'll have fun. And with the funness, maybe we'll get someone to step up and I'll find a little more money to help develop the car, which I didn't really need any more money. We had a small motor in the car for fuel economy, figuring if anything, we could outlap everybody. Um, and as it ended up, what a lot of people don't know, we never planned on running 24 hours. Yeah. So we didn't care how fast we were. We just wanted to go around in circles and, uh, you know, put the show on because we were going to do this thing for all, you know, our armed forces. So it was a, each guy got a spin in the car and that was it. We never, everybody knew, including BF Goodrich, that, which is why they offered tires because they don't have to give us a couple sets. <laughs> See a little smart going on here, right? <laughs> and, and we knew we'd steal the show. Not only because of Derek and Justin. Now, Derek had to do it because I was letting him drive with Justin, who I think just turned 21 years old. Wow. <laughs> so, so think of, you know, that. And he was just a kid. Jay wasn't, you know, that old at the time. And, and he had done some races with us, too. And he was good and quick and a, and a good guy. So, so it all really made sense. And nobody dreamed of, of anything more than exactly what we did uh, with the thing with the people signing the car, the, the charity part of it. And, and we, and we finished with Jay holding up an American flag uh, as he went around on his last lap, which was, you know, the sun was, was uh, up and actually we took the last lap of the race. We waited. That's what it was. Jay got his stint at the end. Uh, so he had to stay there <laughs> all night, um, and we ran him at the end, and he and he finished the race, I think, with the uh, with the American flag holding it up. And one another reason why we could run without a dot, he could hold the American flag up <laughs> out of the cockpit, and we have pictures of that, which is uber corny. <laughs> but and today, you know, who knows who believes what that American flag is anymore? Wow. Sorry to get the on you. No, no, no. So one of the the other fun aspects here, Kev, is so the car was quote painted white, you know, uh, plain plain wrapper there, white car. You had uh, Wait, British. It was Grand Prix white. That's Porsche uh, white. Okay, <laughs> sure, yes. Um, car was carrying flags, beautiful flags, American flag, British flag as well. Had uh, BF Goodrich logos on it. Had Marines logos on it but the car was again basically uh call it plain white with a lot of open space on it and so to your point the charitable aspect remember reading just rereading the fun bit about it here uh the race notes uh from laura cully and on track uh she wrote uh in the interim talking about when you park the car uh the white gunner racing 966 Porsche with American and British flag graphics was parked in the bush tent where it collected signatures 
of war support from spectators, participants, etc. And this is the part that I love, and hopefully you can share some insights on. BF Goodrich agreed to donate $1 per signature uh, to USO programs, but didn't quite anticipate the level of response, which is estimated at somewhere between $3,000 and $5,000. When Jay Cochran hit the track for the final stint, the car was nearly black with ink. That, to me, brother, is maybe the most fun part of it all. Perfect car is a canvas to get those signatures, to get a dollar per signature. Wow. Uh, Anytime you shock the folks who say they're going to donate a dollar because there's such heavy response to it, that tells me that uh, this was mission accomplished. It was was total mission accomplished. And everything that we did with the car was to promoted in some way that um, the storyline that I have seemingly in my racing career was if it doesn't run, chrome it, which is a rule we had in Southern California always as racers. You know, if it, it, if it doesn't go, shine it up. So for me, I knew I always wanted to win something, and that was at least, you know, coolest car there. And I was going to do that because what a lot of people didn't know is we had lit up the open cockpit scene again. Uh, and, and Mark Raffoff at IMSA, when I said, I want to build a 962 with no roof on, he goes, huh? And how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know, but I, but I have the talent. <laughs> and he said, go for it. So we did making it safe at the same time. We came and, and had uh, their you know uh, tech guys come and look at the car and blah, 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 blah. So while that's all going on, I'm thinking, you know, what else can I do? And the whole war thing had happened. And remember, the bombs through, the, I mean, if the Star Spangled Banner didn't match what we saw on TV, you know, it was, uh, it was unbelievable seeing the rockets flying and all that stuff. And, you know, for me, not going into service, uh, only because, I hate to say it this way, I lucked out because my lotto number was low and Nixon got me out of it because he canceled Vietnam. But with all that being said, it was a payback. And because... Uh, of the English and the American thing and the flags, I thought, God, you know, what, what can I do? And I thought uh, I would come up with this, like you said, fill in the blanks, which is why we only ran the two rows of flags on each side of the car with six signatures. And then I came up with this thing, signs of support, which is, you know, pretty open. And then I went to Athene Karras. If you remember her, Marshall, she was the PR boss for BF Goodrich, then Michelin, because they joined forces. And I said, Athena, I got this idea, because she loved the car. She loved the concept of the car and blah, 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 and knew that, you know, we didn't have two nickels to rub together building it. But because I worked on so many 962s, I had a transmission and an engine and, and the suspension and now, you know, everything from Busby. So, um... She said, you're going to what? And I said, we're not going to run the whole race. And she goes, well, uh, is that good news or bad news for being Goodrich? And I says, I think we're going to steal the show. She goes, that's good news for me. And I said, no such thing as bad PR, because bad PR is better than no PR. And she laughed. And I said, that's nothing. I said, and, it was, and I thought it was the camel tent. Uh, maybe it was the bush tent, you know, I don't, I, maybe it said bush on one side and camel on the other, but it was a big tent in the infield where everybody camped and everything. 
And I said, with permission, when Derek and Justin get done driving it, we're going to take it in the tent and have people sign it in support of our, you know, soldiers that are, you know, everywhere, number one, but fighting, you know, for, for a reason. And she said, uh, I might need some permission on that. Well, let me get back to you. Is that the track? Wow. <laughs> and she gets back to me. And she says, we're in. And I, she goes, what do you need? And I says, I don't know. I'd, I'd say two or three Sharpie pins, but if it works, maybe we need 50 of them. Yeah, yeah. She goes, I'll, I'll get 20 of them. And we'll see how that works out. And of course we took it over there. Oh my God. It, you, you'd look to see what was going on. And Marshall, I kept the wing with the signatures on it. And when one of the best things was, you know, people were signing because everybody had a friend there or something. It was touching. Oh my God. It was hard to look at it, not choke up. You know, I mean, I mean, people were crying, signing this thing because they were writing to their friends that were over there. Uh, it was, it was so cool. They were writing little pictures, you know, and you know, I kind of thought to myself, man, we get a thousand people to sign this thing. And I seen at that point said, I'm going to double it. BF Goodrich is going to give you two bucks a signature. Wow. We calculated it was more than 5,000 signatures, so they donated $10,000, which back then was a lot of money to give anything, you know? That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, and, and people to this day come up and say, hey, you know, I signed that car, and I got a picture of it. You know, they of course, they sign them and take a picture of the car. So for us, it was and me working day and night to get the car done with my trusty crew. It was... Uh, it was such a happy ending, uh, and you know, it, it got the ball rolling to where we could use the car and 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 update it and and make it go faster. And and you know, we, of course, you got to remember we were we were now coming into the 962s were done, and now we had Jags and Nissans and Toyotas. So you know the. The, the, even though the car had no problem with 962s later on, it couldn't, you know, keep up with the latest and the greatest, you know, of the other cars. But, but IMSA still loved it. Um, they helped me out with some rules to make the car, you know, even better. But it was still an old car, but a new car. So, you know, the the thing I'd love to close on, Kev, is obviously this 966 adventure started 30 years ago, you know, this weekend effectively with the Rolex 24 here about to kick off the car. I tell you, not only was it a smash hit on its debut for all the reasons that we've just discussed, but it then went on to become an even bigger favorite as it went to additional races. And I'd say the other thing too, I'd love for you to share insights on, cause you're a guy who you talk about designing and creative and the artistic side. This vehicle wore Sunoco livery. It was in Brumos's iconic colors. I loved the uh, Norwegian cruise lines blue um, <clears throat> as well. It went through a variety of liveries. It went on to race for a number of years. It's become a pretty famous entry, uh, non-factory, but a pretty famous entry, kind of a cult favorite 
among Porsche <laughs> prototypes. Can you speak to kind of the post uh, Daytona debut of the life it took on? Because again, we celebrate it in many different colors and versions. Y- yes. Uh, and, and it's always, you know, the, the monetary demand for what it would take for me to do something. Cause I did all the work myself. I was also the engine builder. Uh, all the composite, I built the plug and, and all the fiberglass. We made all the parts here in house, you know, so it was, it was really economical as, as that goes. And, and the true thing of, you know, cars were built the way they used to be built because they're not built that way now, um, only because of supply and demand. And it was the monetary, you know, demand. But, you know, we, I chose a livery or I, someone to talk to who it would make the car special with, i.e. Jägermeister. Pretty hard to beat that orange. Um, the Norwegian cruise lines, everything was picked because of where we were going. And the Norwegian cruise lines thing was, remember, I'm the painter and the design guy. And I said, uh, you know, for 10,000 bucks, I'll put Norwegian cruise lines on a car. And I had a friend that was a friend of a friend of a friend that knew someone at Norwegian Cruise Lines. That's how they all ended up. And they said, well, we'll give you $10,000. And realistically, I couldn't have painted the car for less than twenty. But But because I did it myself and loved every second of it, the $10,000, you know, bought a couple rebuilds on the turbochargers. And I had everything to rebuild the motors and all. It barely cost us anything to run the car. Plus, we were in Miami. So that was close. So I came up with that silver blue and silver and dark blue wave thing on the car and then came up with the, the you know, some, sometimes I came up with the slogans that the companies used, you know, wow. so, so, so that's, you know, how, how they came about each one. And the Sunoco thing was the same. I said, you know, I have an open car. It's a twin turbo thing. It's not a 91730. But I'd paint the car in Sunoco colors for 15 grand. They said, what's 15 grand going to get you? And I said, it's going to get me a Sunoco car. And I just called someone at Sunoco. I didn't know anybody. Uh. And they put me on to somebody and they said, we're in. (laughs) So (laughs) it became a Sunoco car. It wasn't because they paid anything for us to get the car going in a sense they did, though, because the money that I got from them you know, got me to Lime Rock, where it was famous for pouring Coca-Cola on the clutch when the clutch starts slipping. And I, 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 we just missed a podium, or I don't know what happened at that race. We got, we got an award for maybe being the aggressive driver for John Paul Jr. Bless his soul. He did so much for us with that car not to bring him up. No, no, no. Let's talk about him because we love our, I mean, we're, we love ourselves from some junior and we're celebrating him this year as well. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we owe a lot to, to him, you know, past the other drivers he got to drive it. Uh, Brian Redman got it and, and won a race with it at Lime Rock, which was one of the beginnings of the Ren Sport reunion thing. It was an all Porsche event. Um, one of the, one of the liveries we, a lot of people don't know about this car. It's, it's a pretty interesting stuff. We took the car to Europe and ran it in the inner series. Yeah. German inner series. Yep. Yeah. Two, two sprint races. Um, and you could put different drivers in or whatnot and adding them up, you finished however you finished. Well, this one 
this one group of two guys uh, came to me and said, we'd like to buy that car. And I said, cool, I'll sell it. And the price was pretty cheap. And they said, but we can't buy it until we go over there and we win a race. And I said, well, good luck with that. Now, I built the first open cockpit 962 before Kramer did. But we were together, and I have a famous picture of Earl and Kramer and me holding hands in the cockpit <laughs> of each car. Jesus. Yeah, and, and it was, you know, for me, Kramer is like, hello. <laughs> you know, like Alvin Springer with, you know, Porsche Motorsports. Like, you know, talk about heroes. So here I'm sitting in the car, and in the other car is, is him. And we were quicker than him because we had we – had, Testing the car, I brought James Weaver in, and James lit the place up with the car. We were the fastest there, but then he didn't drive the car, and we didn't. We finished, but we didn't finish where we were supposed to in a Lloyd's of London prize indemnity program. So the guys that were buying the car were going to bet that we could finish where Lloyd's of London said we couldn't, and they put a big, you know, amount of money up to get a bigger amount of money. Well, we didn't do it. We missed it by one position. We were going for third or something, and we got a fourth or a fifth or wherever we ended up finishing. And they said, we still want to do it. We want to go to Zolder in Belgium. Zolder. Which, which was a couple months or weeks. or yeah, I, mean, I can look at the schedule now, but like you said, it was almost 30 years ago for that. And um, they raised the bet and we won it, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Really? <laughs> it's no other sports car in sports car history. Uh, okay, let someone show me winning Le Mans, winning Daytona, paid more money than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We won it. I didn't win it. The two guys did. <laughs> One of them was Robin Donovan, who is a Le Mans driver and, yeah. and uh, you know, a, a, a good guy from the UK. Uh, so we won this, though, good, they're buying the car, everybody's happy, except they decided not to buy the car. So I said, no big deal, I'll just take it home. They kept the car, and in the meantime, the guy who put the money up was an insurance scammer. And they caught him. This he won the money for a square on this one, but he wasn't supposed to be driving because on another job he had, he got paid off insurance money. Oh my <laughs> goodness! He said he was injured. So then Scotland Yard asked me if I give evidence on the car, and I said, "Yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. I just went there and ran the car." So I went over there and and <laughs> saw the guys wearing the wigs, took the kids. My little kid Gunner and his littler sister got stormed around London with the London cops. They did a fake chase scene for him while I was in court. <laughs> oh my God, the story's <laughs> the so Gunner said they did a real, they did a robbery chase. Nee, 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 nee. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened. They flew Sharon and I and the kids over. We'd never had a babysitter for the kids. They sent us over all on them. We had the time of our lives. And not Robin Donovan, but the other guy. I don't need to mention his name. 
um, he, he, you know, needless to say, got busted for it and had to do a little time in the, in the big house in, in the UK and came out and ended up writing a book. I had never even read the book, but so anyway, so all this stuff, it's back to, believe it or not, the car won more money than any sports car in racing history. And, uh, and, 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 so Scotland Yard and Kevin Jeanette's <laughs> 966. Of course, those two worlds collide because you're in the middle of it. You're insane. Oh, my God. I tell you, you can't make this shit up, Marshall. I'm sorry <laughs> for saying the F word. <laughs> it's so true. There are other stories of losing Coke as a sponsor or Budweiser. And, and on the car, I put on there, you know, one of the slogans was, why ask why? I think that was Coca-Cola, wasn't it? <laughs> and and I wrote that on the car because all of a sudden, you know, the, the deal fell apart. And that was with Chip Hanauer, the boat racer. Yeah, the famous, famous uh, he, he, jet boat, he, rocket boat racer. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, the Miss Budweiser driver, won championships with Bernie Little, who was a Budweiser distributor here in, in Florida and good friends with Preston Hen, who, of course, I ran his team for years. You also had so, the actor Bobby Carradine in the car, I think, at some point, too. This was Carradine drove it with Hurley Haywood. It's a Brumos car at Sebring. Same deal. This, <laughs> this is the craziest, the craziest car. Bob, Bob Snodgrass called me up and said, hey, man, is a 966 going to Sebring? And I said, are you kidding me? You know how much that would cost? And he goes, how about if I pay for it? And I said, it's going. We can have it all ready to go. I'd love to have a Brumos car. It'll be a Brumos car, right? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, this is like 10 days before the 12 hours of Sebring. And I said, why the rush? Don't you have something? He goes, no. And I, he goes, it's Hurley's 20th start if he starts the race. And I said, so do we only have to start the race? He goes, yeah. He said, if both drivers could get in, because it'd be cool to have Carradine, because remember, he was the big nerd at that time, you know, from the nerd movies. Uh, Revenge was. of the Nerds, yep. Revenge of the Nerds, yeah. So so I said, sign me up. So Bob paid for the paint job and a set of tires. And I think it ended up being somewhere you know, on either side of about 10000 bucks. Tell me that, tell me, we're on the Brumos Porsche race car poster the 966 is on the poster. So we did it, and then we faked the problem. Sorry, you do whatever you got to do. It was all planned that, that Hurley would start the race, and then Bobby would get in the car, and then Bobby would get on the radio and say, hey, man, this thing isn't running too good. I, oh, you better bring it in, because we figured Imsa was listening. <laughs> he brought the car in, and we started working on the car, and we sent him out again, and he came on the radio. He says, hey, man, the thing's really got a miss. And I said, okay, well, bring it in. You know, we're going to have to work on it. He goes, no, really? Huh. It has a miss. <laughs> we, we, we blew a turbo or something while we're in there idling it while it was getting hot or something. So we ended up not being bullshitters about it because it really did have a problem. Wow. <laughs> Sorry to ruin all this phone call by talking about it. Oh, no, this is the best stuff probably. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Wow, anyway. and now you've got the uh, the hot rod back, so that that's just the perfect uh, the perfect 
yeah. chapter to yeah. close. Except, except we weren't able to, you know, do it at, at the 30 year mark, but, but now you've made it all. We have having me get to tell a little story about the 966. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the listeners who, who, uh, you know, chime in because a lot of the stuff gets unnoticed and, we need a lot of noticement in cars and anything these days with COVID and all, don't we? Indeed. You know, the, the, of the, I, I'm not a guy that lives with a lot of regrets, Kev, but I do regret that you and I don't speak more often because it's never boring. It's n- it never uh, lacks in laughter and the amount of <laughs> insane stuff uh, that has just, you know, and not insane, bad, insane, good, crazy, and otherwise, uh, man, your life uh, in motor racing has been brilliant. I mean, we've captured a couple podcasts. Hopefully uh, uh, folks will go back and listen to some of those. But thanks for uh, taking the time here, brother. And Wow, 30 years no, thank ago. Thank you. No, thank you. It, it, it brings back such wonderful memories. I talked with Derek here a couple days ago because we you know, put him in what we call fun days where we go to our local track here and take out you know, 10 or 15 racing Porsches and and he comes and, you know, we have the uh, Rodrigo Celis has got the 962 HR one car and, uh, which we actually won the Daytona classic with last year with, with, uh, with Gunner and Rodrigo and, and Derek and Justin. So you talk about, it was easy to get the two of them back in that car. 30 years later, we win the 24 hour Daytona classic so talk about uh, another memory with just doing this kind of stuff with porsche providing such wonderful equipment you know we won the deal and justin got to win with this dad now surely it's a historic race but there were more competition out there than there was when we raced them in the day wow you know because there was more cars but but anyway, so yeah, wonderful. You, 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 you made thirty years special. Thank you. Oh, don't be silly. Well, brother, we we're, we're gonna find some more stories to tell and some more fun to have here. So get back I'm to work, you, Jeanette. Get back to work. All right, I will. Thanks, and we'll talk soon, dude. Thank you, my brother. Really appreciate okay. you.